Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. All right. You guys got your Bibles today and your notes and you're ready to learn, right? So the last time I preached this, we lost about 300 people. Um, so I figure let's just preach it again. Uh, <laughs> Help us, Lord. Um, but it's amazing to me how, uh, just how in love we are with religion in the church in America. And, uh, and I believe that God is raising us, and, he's, and not just us. I think that God's raising ministries and churches and leaders all over the world uh, that are not interested in just going through the motions from generation to generation community of people that, like forerunners, are going to bust down every wall because, you know, like I looked up here today and this little boy, I don't know who he is, but little toddler up here just on his face before the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, listen, if everybody leaves, but the toddler stays, he'll pierce his whole generation, right? And so we've got to start thinking about the seed. I've had this kind of silly example in my mind for the past week that I shared with some of our leaders, but you know, how many of you ever like gone in a, in a pool in the shallow end and you get a group of your buddies and you walk in a circle, right? And it starts to develop like a wave pool. And then when it's, when it's just right, you jump on an inner tube and just let it take you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. You grew up in Texas. Like you, you went to a pool, right? Um, but this is what I believe the Lord is doing. As silly as that sounds, this is what I believe the Lord is doing in this house is he's beginning to build a current that a generation is gonna ride on. And I can tell you, I've experienced this in my own life. I've experienced this growing up under forerunner type leaders that were willing to break down religious walls that today we're just kind of enjoying the current that was created for us, amen? And, uh, and so there's a forerunner spirit that I'm asking the Lord to bring and it's something we really have to understand that I'm not gonna be able to accomplish all today, but I wanted to start by sharing just a story. October 31st, 1517. How many of you ever heard of the Protestant Reformation? Okay. You guys like history? It was the only subject I paid attention to in school. So don't take after my example, but I just, I've always loved history. There's something about finding out men and women that have sown seeds that decades and centuries later are still having impact. And I wanna be able to be with the Lord one day and, and actually say, Lord, like it says of, of David in Hebrews chapter seven, that, or in Acts chapter seven, that he fulfilled all of the will of God in his generation. How many of you want that? Like I want to actually fulfill what God has called me to. And I don't wanna be sitting on the sidelines when the sky splits open. I wanna be part of the procession that's inviting him in. Are you with me? And Corey gave me some, uh, how do I say this? Some courage. To, to get into some of the things I'm gonna get into to today. And he kind of set it up for me. And that was one of the best messages I've ever heard last week. So I'm riding the current. I'm gonna ride the wave. And, and everyone lift your right hand and repeat after me. Right hand, not your left. Some of you are not lifting your hand because you don't trust me yet. Just, just lift your hand. Lift your hand and say, I will not be offended. I will not be offended. Remove religion out of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, cool, feel better now. All right, cool. Now that you've done that, you're stuck here and you can't leave the room. All right, 
October 31st, 1517, there was a man by the name of Martin Luther, and he nailed 95 theses on the doors of a church, of the church in Germany. These 95 theses, they challenged the church of the day that had swayed away from the scriptures. In that time, people couldn't directly go to the Lord, but they were told they had to go through the Pope or priests or fathers of that time. The Bible in that time was only written in Latin, predominantly, and there was something called indulgence. And indulgence in that time was you would have to go to your priest or your father and you would basically purchase or pay for your sin or for forgiveness. And um, in the Catholic Church, sin forgiveness by payment and confession, um, not, not to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, but, but confession and payment, somehow they came to this conclusion. And that was the standard of the day. And so this man had had enough. This is where I feel like we are right now. This man had had enough and he started the Protestant Reformation on the foundation that we cannot earn God's salvation, but it is a free gift, all right? So imagine the courage of this man. He, he's, he's up against an entire church and he walks up holding 95 pages and just starts nailing them to a door. When I, I was recently in Tennessee uh, doing some stuff out there and, and this pastor prophesied over this house. And he said, this house, Risen Nation, will not be a stereotype, but a prototype. And he said, and I keep seeing, and he didn't realize on the way there, I'm in the plane and all I'm thinking about is the Protestant Reformation for some reason. Like I'm, I'm, and I'm asking God for reformation to hit our church. As much as we love revival, if it doesn't become reformation, it'll just end like the rest. And we want revival. We've seen God move here. We've watched him do incredible and amazing things, but we need God to reform a whole system back to an ancient path that we so easily sway from and we just believe things because, you know, Pastor Bob said it in 1983. But we've really got to take this Bible. My dad one time said to me, your generation knows what they don't believe, but they don't know what they do believe. Because we can come against stuff all day, but until we actually take the scriptures and go, God, I need you to teach me by the bread of your word. I need to ingest it and I need it to become who I am. Right, so this pastor's prophesying, he said, it will not be a stereotype, but it will be a prototype. And he said, and I keep seeing the picture of Martin Luther banging 95 thesis on the door. Now he knows nothing about me. He doesn't know how I minister. He doesn't know what we're pursuing as a church. And he doesn't know that I'm thinking about this on the plane on the way there. And he said, but God is not gonna give you something to nail on the door. He's gonna give you a key to go in. And so I received that. And, and the results, listen, of the Protestant Reformation was the Bible, just keep in mind, this one guy who just had the boldness to stand up to the religious leaders of the day. The Bible had, was translated into English and in other languages besides Latin. This is what the, the Reformation produced. It ended the 30 years war where 8 million people died, which was a war that was predominantly around Roman Catholics, Calvinists, and Lutherans. This ended indulgence, which was the doctrine that I just said of payment for the forgiveness of sins. You must confess, pay a certain amount. And uh, depending on how big the sin was, you'd have to pay a lot. It, I mean, just crazy. And people just believed it. Like, I want you to see the, this is how people are, is we just have a tendency to just follow things. We just follow what is the biggest thing of the day. For example, now I know that this is, I don't think this would offend anyone, but you know, like, I, I dri I'm driving and I see a Christmas tree and underneath it, it says happy holidays. Well, I just say Merry Christmas. 
they wanna take Christ out of everything. So at Target, when they say happy holidays to me, I really make a point. Merry Christmas to you too. Right? Okay, so, so, but think about it. Think about how we walk into a place now and someone says happy holidays or kind of the overall culture because we want, because if you notice the road's getting wider, more accepting of everything and everyone. Forget in the church that people that are homosexual get saved, healed, delivered, set free and fall in love with Jesus and realize their, their image and their destiny. Of course, you're allowed through the doors. You're just not allowed to stay the same. Right, but it's too harsh to come against sin anymore because God forbid that be in the church. So in the church, we put happy, and I know it's silly, but like this is how little and how subtle you do you realize that they're taking Christ out of things and nobody cares because we're just allowing the road to get wider and we're saying happy holidays to keep the peace. But the Bible doesn't say be a peacekeeper. It says be one who makes peace. And I don't know about you, but the fact that America has the most nuclear weapons kind of ensures that we can make peace. Again, crazy weird example, but but it's real, like, like no one's concerned about Jamaica. God bless Jamaica. Everyone goes to vacation there because it's peaceful and nice. But there's no governments talking about Jamaica. They talk about America and Russia and China. Why? Because they have the ability to make peace. And God has given us like weapons, not carnal but spiritual and powerful that we find in this word that gives us the power, listen, to make peace in the earth, right? So, so the, the, the road in my life, I'm not gonna allow the road to be wide. And when I encounter someone that's on a wide road, God forbid that I stand before the Lord and can never say I made it narrow for someone. So people call you intense and they are always getting corrected, all this stuff. And I think to myself, no, I have this. If you follow Matthew, Matthew 25, then you get to Matthew 20. If you just keep following Matthew, there's this last part that says the final judgment. And there's two lines, sheep and goats. And as a leader, I am required to make sure that you're on the right side. So we, we just naturally, I think as like, we just conform because we were created to be conformed. We're just conforming to the wrong image. We were created to be conformed to the image of the son. Come on, anyone ever read it in Romans chapter eight? But the problem is, is when we don't have any identity, when we just wanna be peacekeepers and go with the culture, we just simply conform to the culture. And the next thing you know, you're just too afraid to say Merry Christmas. When 20 years ago, you, that never would have crossed your mind. Why? Because culture has become Lord. Things that... that I know, again, I know it's silly, but I want you to see the subliminal messages behind it. Things like in movies that were totally okay and normal. Today, it's like you get canceled if you do anything that offends anybody and the road is getting wider and the road is getting wider. And if you think it's only in the world, you're deceived because it's very prevalent in the church. Written off as a, you know, today, you know, fire and brimstone back in the day was like preachers that literally would like, preach fire and brimstone is going to come from heaven, get saved before you burn in hell forever. Today, I think if we just say the word repent, oh, fire and brimstone guy. 
wider. We've gotten too wide, too fat. Mile wide and an inch deep. So Martin Luther's like, nope. And listen, the impact is in the mid-1500s, the Reformation began to spread throughout all of Europe, and the Reformation would begin to impact England as Protestants poured in from other countries. However, the church in England would stand strong on these unbiblical doctrines and persecuted and exiled Protestants and labeled them Puritan separatists, okay? This led to a group of 102 Puritan separatists boarding a ship called the Mayflower. Think about this, one guy. Boarding the Mayflower and around 100 years later, after Martin Luther nailed his thesis on the doors of the Catholic Church, the Mayflower lands on the shores of America, carrying men, women, and children hungry to worship Jesus in freedom. These Puritan separatists were emboldened by Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation that just started to take over Europe. Our entire country, the fact that we are sitting in a peaceful place like Texas, we are indebted to men like Martin Luther who had the courage to stand up in an apostolic forerunner spirit that's saying, no, not for my children and not for their children and not for the children after them, right? And so even, you know, we, we've talked about it as leaders, but we get into these mindsets where we're trying to deal with things at, at a horizontal level, right? We're trying to figure out, are we blue or are we red? Like, are we on this side or are we on this side? My question is, are you on God's side? And we are just another person with another opinion, even though the scriptures say that we are citizens of the kingdom. Of course, I mean, I, I herald, vote for righteousness, 100 million percent. But just make sure you're on God's side, right? But we're trying to deal with things at a horizontal level. And we have political rallies today on Sunday mornings rather than kingdom rallies. And I don't know if, if you know this about intercession or prayer, but you see there's something much more powerful than trying to deal with it, arguing with someone. All you gotta do is deal with the principality that's over it. And so there's something, there's a secret that we have that the world just doesn't have. And it's called the power to cause principalities to fall over entire governments and nations. I know that that's like too spooky for you, but if you'd read your Bible, you would find that there's real power in your mouth, that he told Daniel, I came because of your words. Daniel didn't hold a political rally. Daniel fell on his knees. And when he fell on his knees, the, the nation began to shake. And where did he end up? Right in front of the main guy. That's what we need in the church. We need to realize our power is not in arguing with one another. Our power is found in the scriptures. And we need some people that are bold enough to stand up and to get us back to a narrow road. Amen? So this is what God, I believe, is asking of us. And it's for the sake of our children. It's for the sake of their children. And we desperately, how many of you agree, we need reformation in the Western church today? Some of you have, have no idea what I'm talking about, but I want to expose some things today that have trapped us and held us in a weak state. And I don't know if you know this, but like a king is coming. And we don't really talk about it much. But do you realize a king born of a virgin, piercing heaven with an actual body, 
holes in his hands and his feet and in his side is going to touch the planet and set up his kingdom. If this doesn't excite you, I don't, I don't, I can't help you today. Like if this doesn't cause just pressure and all of your little issues to just fall by the wayside, you don't have the right perspective of there is a king coming. And he's like Corey said, he's gonna eradicate all wickedness in all of the earth and peace and glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Do you realize a king is coming and he will eradicate wickedness all over the earth? And we're in a battle with Democrats. Do you realize that there is a king coming and he will eradicate wickedness in all of the earth? Our hearts, our hearts should be, hey, 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 make sure you're on the right side because the king is coming and he's gonna eradicate wickedness in the whole earth. I don't have time to argue with you. Get your butt over here. You don't need a side. Get on God's side. That's it. Just get on God's side and let God be the leader. He's the answer to the nations. He's the reason. Do you know that the nations aren't raging because of Donald Trump? In Psalms 2, they're not raging because of Joe Biden. They're raging because they see God. And there will be actual people that will see him and still not want him. Like this, there's a much bigger narrative than the vision of risen nation. There's a, there, God is building a narrative in the earth. And, and, and I just, there's a few sacred cows we're gonna get through today. <sighs> I'm not mad at you. I just don't like religion. And I just accept it. This is how God has called us, all right? So, so today, we don't really talk about the vision of the church at large. We talk about our vision. And I think we cut ourselves off. Like <laughs> I had so many moments where I was like, Corey was preaching and I was like, I am just unqualified to preach ever again. But he makes these statements. He said, we got to get out of our five-year plan and get into the 5,000-year plan. I'm like, gosh, couldn't have said it better myself. The five-year plan. When's the last time a pastor got up and talked about their 5,000-year plan? Well, I mean, when's the last time you saw a church post on their, their Instagram? And this goes for us on their, about another church where God's moving. You know what you see today? You belong here. No, you don't. You belong to the Lord. He, listen, you're his possession. This isn't my church or my people, God forbid. And it takes a lot of pressure off of me because you don't belong to me. So I don't have to, you know, baby you. You belong to the Lord. And, and I get to shepherd you to the shepherd, to God. But we have signs outside. We hold them up when they come in. You belong here. Stay here forever or we're gonna be offended. Think about, just think about the culture that's, that's so easily creeped into the church of, when's the last time a church all said, you know what? I heard God was moving down the street and he's not really here, so let's just go there. And, and so you got churches and every church, right, thinks that they've got it. We're doing the right thing and we're all mad at each other. Fivefold has, they don't get along. Wow, I was, I, no, I don't know. The Lord just had really helped my filter just now. It was really powerful. I just had an experience with God. Um, 
But you know, we got everybody's just starting stuff. It's just, and no one's working together. And so we have vision weekends. And, and I guarantee you on the vision weekend, you're not gonna hear about a new heaven, new earth and a prepared bride, but you'll, but you'll hear about how we're gonna get more members. Can we just be honest with each other? Can we just have a family conversation of something's got to change? Because there's a king coming and he's gonna eradicate wickedness in all of the earth. <laughs> so like, when you think like that, you think, wow, we're not gonna talk about anything else other than preparing a bride for her bridegroom. Okay. If our vision doesn't end with Revelation 21, it's not big enough. If our vision doesn't end with new heaven, new earth, prepared bride, just stop talking, you're too small. Your thinking is too small. You can have 58,000 people in 14 campuses, but your thinking is too small if it doesn't end with a prepared bride. And God is writing an ancient, he's, it's, it's an ancient story. It's a narrative that he's been building from Genesis 1 that goes the whole way to Revelation 22 and then beyond as written epistles upon your heart. And it's, there's so much more happening in the kingdom, believe it or not, than there is a nation. There's so much more outside of these walls that God is writing and he's not just moving here, he's moving all over the earth. Okay, so in scripture, and I want you to take some notes and, and we're gonna finish with what, what we're pursuing when we talk about the return of the Lord. But in scripture, there's three feasts and you guys have learned this. Like I said, I probably preached this a year ago. We lost a significant amount of people. Um, but let, we're just gonna try it again. We're gonna just see what happens. But there, <laughs> this is not the church, church growth plan process. All right. There's three feasts that, that give us a roadmap into God's plan for the ages. Three feasts, you find them really throughout scripture. I don't even know that Jesus is the volume of the book. You read about Noah, see that's become a Sunday school lesson, but you see Christ. You see this man who, who is the ark that saved us and protected us. And the story of Noah is not just about getting out, it's about repopulating the earth. That was the climax of the story, it wasn't, being rescued, the climax of the story was you come out and there's a rainbow and a covenant from God. And a new beginning of eight people restart everything. This is the picture of a new heaven and a new earth. So three main feasts, I want you to write them down, Passover, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and what I love so much is you find these prophets and one of the biggest things I think God is healing in this hour is the relationship between apostles and prophets. Houses that, that carry a prophetic spirit because there's fathers present that empower the prophets, right? Like, and I'm not just talking about prophesying. I'm gonna even know we all should prophesy, right? Somebody that's new here should come and they should encounter one person that changes their whole life because God spoke to them. And there's nothing more precious than God speaking to you, right? And we wanna create, I wanna have entire services that all they are is just the prophetic, right? In healthy environments, all right? But one of the biggest things I think God is repairing, and, and you'll see in a second, is in Joel chapter two, you see Joel prophesying, right? You see him prophesying, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
Isaiah, you see Isaiah prophesying in chapter nine, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then when the son comes, they don't recognize him, right? Matthew 23, which we're gonna read in a minute, it talks about Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've longed to gather you like a hen with her chicks, but you have failed to come and you kill the prophets over and over and over and over again. And I think in a way we're still doing that in church today. We have people that are apostolic or leaders or pastors. And because we don't really know, I'm not talking about prophesying. I'm talking about people that actually carry the office of a prophet. Because we don't know what to do with them, we kind of push them in a corner. And if you notice, a lot of actually really strong prophetic people are usually alone. And they usually have to do YouTube videos to, to release anything because everyone's afraid to put them behind pulpits, right? And because there's, because there's dysfunction, right? We're gonna learn something today. Because there's, there's division between really the apostles and the prophets that the New Testament, the New Testament says, upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, he will build his church. But because the enemy has allowed division to come in, we have prophets prophesying things that are wrong and confusing everybody, the apostolic spirit today is people think you're an apostle if you've got 14 churches and oversee them. Like how far gone have we become? But there's a spirit that God is actually restoring. And I have news for you. It's gonna take this thing called humility. And I have learned in my life, I know it says first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, but I can tell you usually the prophets here first. And, and you see it. You see it in John the Baptist who walked in the spirit of Elijah. He prophesies the king is coming. Behold, the lamb of God, he who comes to take away the sins of the world. And the great apostle comes and he begins to establish his kingdom. This, the order of scripture is the prophets speak and then the apostles are born. Right? But because we are uh, insecure in the apostolic, we want everything to be under us. But I have news. How many of you have ever, you've been seeking God to get an answer, but then somebody else gives it to you and you're like, Lord, I've been right here the whole time, why does Chip need to call me? One of the biggest decisions in my life, remember this, biggest decisions in my life, he's like, I don't know, what are you gonna say? You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're prophetic. Um, one of the biggest decisions in my life, I'll never forget, I am like laboring. I'm like, Lord, I just need a simple yes or no. Just like, just one thing. And Chip calls me guarantee you he's going to tell me. And he calls me and reads my, all my mail and says, clearly, this is what God showed me. And it required humility on my part to listen to what he had to say. Why? Why doesn't he speak to me? Because there's a requirement in the body of Christ of the right hand, can't tell the left hand, I have no need of you. Right? You see in part, the scripture says, you hear in part, why? Because someone else might have the other part and living stone upon living stone, we are being built into the house of God. But pride has ripped it apart because I need to hear God for myself. Dana, you can't tell me anything. And what I do by causing my, myself to be disconnected is I actually hinder the gift that's on her life, right? I mean, you guys remember we did a, a series. I mean, it's questionable if it was a series because my series here are like, we just name it something and then preach like 50 things that don't make sense under the name. My dad growing up would do like 14 part series. And I'm, till today, I'm like, I have no idea how he did that. So I'm sorry. But, 
But when we did the Prepare for Rain series, it just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. You know how it started is, is there was someone really prophetic that, that reached out to Pastor Jenny and Jenny gets this word and she sends it to me. Now I could have been like, why would God speak to you about my church? Or I could take it before the Lord. And when I heard just like one phrase of the word, it opened up this whole revelation to me. So what the prophets are declaring, the apostles will build. It's on the foundation of both. And we desperately need a prophetic forerunner spirit to come back into the church because consider Joel is Joel and Isaiah, they're giving them what's coming. But it's like, oh, Joel, he's weird. Not our Joel. Joel, he's prophesying again. And, he's, and I think sometimes God uses people that like mess with your religion. Like, like it's amazing to me that some of the most prophetic people in this house are women. And I think the Lord is so intentional about that because he's just trying to mess with religion. Or you'll find somebody that's like, anyone ever like watched a video of Bob Jones? And you're like, what is wrong with this guy? But why is my inside shaking when he's talking? And I don't even understand what he's talking about. Some of the weirdest people ever growing up in our church were the most prophetic. Is it true? I'm sorry, prophets. You just got that weird thing about you. But because we don't know what to do with you, we repent for putting you in a corner. Because we need both. Because the forerunner spirit has to declare and it has to build for the next generation. Amen? Okay. Just felt like I needed to, to deal with that. But if we're not looking, listen, if we're not looking for it, we will miss it. And today when we talk about like the end times or we talk about the last days, we kind of have like this, this pan-millennialist uh, theology of it. It'll just all pan out. Let's never think about it. Right? Let's, let's never actually study in the scriptures. We stay the heck away from Revelation because there's just dragons I don't understand. Like if I was, I won't do it to you, but if I was to ask you, how many of you have read the entire book of Revelation at least twice? Most of the church is like, I don't, I don't have any idea what I'm reading, so I stay away from it. But do you realize that like in the very first line is the whole revelation of the book of Revelation. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to look into God, read the book of Revelation. But because we don't really know what to do with it and we're not really taught about it, we just kind of throw it to the wayside and we're like, Lord, I'm hanging in there. And in 1999, everyone was like, I'm going to the highest mountain. Y2K, I remember being afraid out of my mind. I'm like, what's gonna happen with the computers? Anyone remember? Gen Z has no idea what I'm talking about. But, but there was... Everyone's like, is it going to change to 2000? I remember asking my dad, what's going to happen? He said, I'm preparing my message for the next day. And it was, and there was books. I mean, how many books have been written? I love what Corey said yesterday or last week. In 1993 or whatever, the rapture is going to happen or whatever years they said. I mean, whole books written about why it's going to happen. And then that year came and nothing happened. Even though the scriptures, Jesus himself said, you don't know when it's coming. I don't even know. Jesus doesn't know, but Corey said, but Billy Bob in Arkansas got a revelation from God, even though the son himself said, don't even go there. We're building timelines in the church while God's trying to build his kingdom. Trying to get the heck out of here as soon as possible. But we've got to, if we study the scriptures, you'll find heaven's direction is very different than what we teach today. So 
We've got to get back. We've got to get back. Everyone say, we've got to get back. So we're coming, listen, into a walk that requires a forerunner spirit. It's making a way. It's the Isaiah, Isaiah 40. I believe God's raising houses that are making a way for God in the wilderness. It's, it's in the parched places. It's on the backs. God finds people like David in the back hills of Bethlehem. God's not looking for the most influence. He just needs people that actually believe, okay? So with that being said, I want you to go to Matthew. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24. And as we do, you guys wrote down, right? Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. Just a quick, quick overview is we have watched the prophets declare about Passover in the Old Testament. We watched them declare about Pentecost. We've also watched them declare about the Feast of Tabernacles. And we don't really hear much teaching on the Feast of Tabernacles. But, but the Feast of Tabernacles, and, I, and again, we've gone through it before, but I want you to write some of these things down before we get into Matthew 24, because it's gonna help you build a foundation and guard your heart from offense, okay? So in Matthew 24, sorry, the Feast of Tabernacles, according to Revelation 21, was prophesied out of one of the three main feasts where they would take booths, the children of Israel, and it was a seven-day feast. So they would take booths and they would put them all over the city and they were like little huts that you would build for yourself. This is why we're building a house for the Lord. You would build it and you would go inside of it and it represented God and man dwelling together on the earth. Everyone say on the earth. God and man dwelling together on the earth. How this whole book ends in Revelation 21 is God and man dwelling together on the earth. Everyone say on the earth. Okay, so we're very clear. It's not dwelling together in heaven. See, you're already offended by it, even though the scripture, should we read it just so you know? Okay, let's read it. Go to Revelation. I know you just told you Matthew 24, but go to, go to Revelation 21. Verse one, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everyone say earth. So the earth's not getting wiped out. New heaven, new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. So where is it? It's coming down, coming down from heaven as a bride prepared for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. So it's not man going up, it's heaven coming down, right? It's not take us, Lord Jesus, take us. It's come, Lord Jesus, come. All right, see it? Where's the destination? Here, with us, dwelling among men. Now go back to Matthew 24. And as you're getting there, tabernacles was where they would, they would be prophesying by the feast that God and man will dwell together in a new heaven and a new earth. And, and in that day, Jesus stands up in John 7, 37 on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And he says, come to me, all you who are thirsty. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, right? He didn't say, and, and one day when you die, rivers of living water will come out of you. 
The Lord is inviting a generation into actually building something in the earth. And if he wasn't, he wouldn't have ascended. Are you tracking with me? If, if he wasn't, if he was like, I've always asked like, Lord, why did you leave? Why would you go sit at the right hand of the father and intercede on our behalf? Why didn't you stay and set up a big house and we could bring people from all over the nations and say, look, God dwells there. But there's a narrative that we're invited into as the body of Christ because he's saying, listen, the works I did, greater works shall you do. You lay your hands on the sick, the sick are gonna recover. Go and raise the dead, cast out devils, right? All these things that actually expand the kingdom of God. And when they get healed and when the devils flee, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? There's a story, but think about in the church today, we're just hanging on. We don't remember the last time we laid our hands on the sick and saw them recover. I could, you could count on one hand how many devils you've casted out, but we're just hanging on because God's gonna get us out of the big bad world before it's too late. And we never joined the narrative of heaven. We never joined into the power of the gospel that's gonna spread the kingdom all over the earth as the waters cover the sea, so will the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill the earth. So God is inviting us into a story. And how many of you know Passover? It's already taken place. What Passover speaks of going back to Exodus 12 was the blood on the doorpost describing the sacrifice of the perfect lamb. Jesus died on Passover. He is our Passover, passing from, a, from one old life into a newness of life. We have passed over. Pentecost, we know is, is come on, you gotta stay with me. Pentecost, you know, is the Holy Spirit came and he filled men. And it's the prophecy of Joel chapter two. Okay, well, there's a third feast that we haven't seen yet. And I've watched this tension in the church. How many of you know Jesus hanging on the tree? He says, it is finished, right? There's somewhat of a tension in the church where it's like, okay, is it finished or is there still more to come? I don't know if you're like keeping your eyes open, but I know that I'm a finished work. But when Jesus is hanging there and he is saying it is finished, it's not your, your card to just sit down and do nothing, right? He's saying, hey, that old covenant, that 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 law that you were attached to, that, that, that fact that you couldn't get free from sin, it's done, it's finished. And Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, but how many of you know the story is still being unfolded? There's a story that involves a bride marrying a lamb and you happen to be that bride. But I don't know about you, I know that we have that we are one with God, that he is in us. I know all of those things, but I, I have to tell you, if we don't think that there's more than what we're experiencing now, we are drastically deceived. There has got to be more. So the story is not over. Okay, now let's get to Matthew 24. And I, I want to, I'm gonna read it, and then we're gonna read it again, and then we're gonna read 1 Thessalonians 4. But how many of you believe, raise your hand if you believe the Lord is coming, the Lord is returning, raise your hand, okay. And how many of you believe it's a second, raise your hand if you believe it's a second coming. It's not a trick question, just raise your hand, okay. Okay, so what you're saying is, is you believe, right? I want, you, I want you to get your minds going here. You believe that there's a day coming that he will come and we will marry the lamb. Raise your hands if you believe in that day. Okay, so by saying that, I wanna show you what you just said you don't believe in. Okay, Matthew 24, let's start in verse, verse one. Jesus left the temple 
And he was going away with his disciples and he came to the, and they came to point out the buildings of the temple. I love how Corey talked about the last verse in 23. Jesus is pretty ticked and he's like dealing with the Pharisees of the day and basically takes a whole chapter to give them woes and um, all the things that are wrong with them and just rebukes them for a whole chapter straight. And I love that the Pharisees come. They're like, let's go look at some nice pretty buildings. Maybe it'll make him feel better. And they start pointing out buildings of the temple and he answered them and said, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. You imagine the disciples are like, well, that didn't work. Um, he's, the Lord is, is righteously, there's an indignation. He is angry at the state of his church. And it says in verse three, as he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us where these things will be and what the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them and he said, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for, you, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I love it. You remember, Corey, what this has produced in the church is uh, like storm shelters, rice and toilet, and toilet paper, right? Because, because we're not seeing the beauty of what God is trying to reveal here. But all these things are but the beginning of birth pains. Everyone highlight, underline the beginning of birth pains, the beginning of of birth pains, which means that something exciting is being delivered through the hard contractions of labor. Again, Corey used the example of when my wife saw the pregnancy test, she didn't go, oh no, this is gonna hurt so bad. She wept and she cried and I was scared. But you know, like, especially when we found out we're having four, I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> I'm very excited, yeah, too late. But you know, there's joy that comes with, we're not thinking about all the struggle that we're about to experience. We're thinking about the joy of we are gonna hold a newborn. And it says that moment of anguish, it's like when a baby is born, in that moment, every mom in the world forgets about the anguish. And you think this was inside of me. I mean, at least I think so, because I've never given birth to a baby. And men can't have babies. Just so you're clear, the road is getting. So we're accepting of everything now. There's a pregnant man emoji. Like how wide has this world become? We're just accept happy holidays. Ugh. Anyway, I'm going to really go off. If we start getting into this crazy. It's demonic. It's deceptive and it is demonic. It's raging against God and trying to rip the bonds apart of God himself. It's not gonna work. So there's real birth pains. And then it says in verse nine, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Now, I want you to hear this. Well, I'll go back. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another. And false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness and 
all, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. I think we're, we're seeing this today. But the one who endures, everyone say endures, to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jump to verse 25. Actually, we don't have time. Go to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I love how Corey described that. It's like the drama of God's story. The lights will be turned off. Why? Because this is coming right after. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four. That word angels is messengers. It's the same word as the book of Revelation when he's speaking to the angels or the messengers, the leaders of the church. I will send messengers and they're gonna gather up the people. This is our call. They're gonna gather up the people from all four corners of the earth to the end of heaven and to the other. And then jump to verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. If you wrote a book about when the rapture is, you are deceived. We gotta get back to the scriptures. Of that day and hour, no one knows. No one knows. Not Billy Bob from Arkansas, nobody. If you hear someone prophesying 19, what? well, I guess we're in the 2000s now. Don't be many false prophets. See, you guys don't like talking like this. We've got to deal with this stuff. Many false prophets will rise. Concerning the day and hour, no one knows. It's red letters and everything. Not even the angels of heaven nor the sun. Jeez. But the father only. Everyone say only. For as it was in the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as it, is it, as it was in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men, all right, and this is where we get confused in the church. I want you to see something. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. The Amplified says one will be taken in judgment and one will be left. The Passion paraphrases and it says one will be taken in judgment or for judgment and one will be left. Two women, remember, what is the context? The days of Noah. Somebody said it like this, that, um, where is that statement? Someone says, a text listen without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to say. And can I tell you, again, that's really powerful. A text without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to say. So, so there's been this thing through fear that's entered into the church of before tribulation and before things get really bad, we're getting out of here right? Even though, even though we just read in verse nine of Matthew 24, this is why we've got to get back to the scriptures. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. And some of you stuck. 
But the days of Noah, the days of Noah, this is why we lost 300 people right here. The days of Noah was wickedness was eradicated. The wickedness was swept away. You're going to see it again in 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to go through all, we're going to go through the chapters that everybody uses for their claims. But the wickedness in the days of Noah was removed and it was the righteous, the eight of them that remained. Right? Okay. We just got to read it. You just got to read it in context. Everyone say context. So as you're reading this, think about Noah and what happened in the days of Noah. Two women will be grinding at a meal. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know the day in which the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So then is the faithful and wise serpent whom his master set, everyone say set, over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, I will set him, everyone say set him, over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on the day when no one expects him. And at an hour, he does not know. I can feel, as I'm reading this, I can feel people, they don't like, do you realize that these are words of Jesus? This is not, this isn't a side issue. And Jesus said, and I will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another translation, verse 51 says, I will cut him in pieces and send him away. You don't want to go away. Deception. Deception. All right. So again, let's push a sacred cow over really quick. Again, let's raise our hand if we believe in the return of the Lord. Just we're all on the same page. All right. Amen. Well, let me tell you about the deception of the rapture. This is where we lost 300 people. Because again, by saying I believe in the return of the Lord, what you're, and, and I believe in a second coming, when we say we believe in the rapture, we, what we're saying is we believe in three comings. Do you realize this? Let's go through it. Okay. Here's, here's the views of the rapture. <laughs> God have mercy on us. We'll, I, I just feel like full send it, you know? The doctrine, okay, of the rapture. And you know a great resource, you might be surprised about this, is mikebickle.org. Great resource for this. Because when Mike Bickle and I were talking, I'm just gonna put him on blast. When we were talking in his parking lot, he, the words out of his mouth is, I think pre-tribulation rapture is one of the greatest deceptions to hit the church. Because it's weakened the church. It's weakened us into, Lord, get us out of here and we're gonna escape before things get bad. When really the return of the Lord is the church's finest hour. Okay. I wish we had a screen, but we don't. And I thought I could draw it, but the last time we did that, it was a fail. Costy went squeaky, squeaky with the thing. And 
I wrote too small. I'm terrible at Pictionary. So this, I want you to get this picture, but you can look this up. I want you to study it. I, don't believe me. Just study it. Really study it. Study, go and listen to a man by the name of N.T. Wright. He'll change your whole life. Just go and study it, okay? Pre-tribulation rapture. This is the thought that, that he's gonna come and you know people are debating is the tribulation seven years, three and a half years. Again, we're obsessed with timelines in the church. But he's gonna come and he's not gonna exactly come all the way down. He's just gonna like hang out in the sky, right? And we take the first Thessalonians four, which we're gonna look at out of context. Again, we, we just tend to do that. And, and we're gonna get out and, and, it, and nowhere does it say we're gonna slip away and go to heaven. But this is what we created. We're gonna get out before things get really bad, right? And then we're gonna just skip over the seven years of tribulation, even though Matthew 24, nine says, then you'll be given up to tribulation. And then the second coming with the church will come then the millennium, last judgment, and then eternity. That's what the graph says. Uh, Mid-tribulation is the one I think that, that uh, well, let's just, let's just look at this. Mid-tribulation, I want you guys to understand, like you have to know what you're saying when you say, I believe in something, right? And I want you to, and I want you to understand this doctrine, I'm not talking about the coming of the Lord. I need you, these are two distinct events. You guys know this, right? Hopefully. Two very distinct events according to doctrine. All right? But you need to understand that the rapture doctrine was a doctrine that came into be in the 1800s under a man by the name of John Darby. And, and he, all he did was he extracted something incorrectly from the scriptures. And then men started putting, even though it doesn't talk about this in scripture, men started debating pre, mid, or, or post-tribulation. And then there was a movie made called Left Behind. Great acting. Just kidding. And we just believe stuff, even though till today, Till today, if you go to different parts of the world that lack many American missionaries, I remember I was in Italy one time preaching in Sicily and I'm preaching on the coming of the Lord and I'm surprised on how it's being received. And I said, have you guys ever heard of a thing called the rapture? They said, I've never even heard of this. I want you, I, I want you to see a deception that has come into the church. The last time I preached this, I think people took it as I don't believe in the coming of the Lord. My goodness, I believe in the coming of the Lord. I just don't believe in like 14 events and that we're gonna have to not overcome anything. So mid-tribulation is, I don't really know where they get even the remotely this one from, but in the middle of the seven years, we're gonna go up and, and he's gonna be coming down and we're gonna high five each other. You, you have to study this stuff. It is, it is eye-opening when you begin to read, like when we say we believe in this, do we know what we actually believe? Then you have post-tribulation, which is even more interesting. And that's the rapture and the second coming are not gonna be three and a half years apart. They're gonna be at the same time, but we're gonna like really be able to high-five each other. We're going up and he's coming down and... Even though it says we're gonna to dwell together, we're gonna to be apart. I... Just study it. This is, when you say, I believe in the rapture, this is what you're saying. You have to pick one of those three. So then you get to 1 Thessalonians 4. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Again, I want you to remember, I don't, I don't know if this is going over too well, but we'll, we'll see. 1 Thessalonians 4. 
And again, remember Matthew 24, the context, the context. Everyone say the context is as it was in the days of Noah. The original, and I love the amplified, it says, one will be taken for judgment. Then get to, so let's go to verse 13. Paul begins to minister on the return of the Lord. And he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. For, for this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left. Everyone say who are left. Until the coming of the Lord will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command or a shout. It's birth pain. With the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That, listen to this, verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left. Why are you trying to, why are you trying to go somewhere? Like, do you think that there's a possibility? Could you have your heart open to a possibility that the enemy has deceived the church in the West? So, see, today, I just, I have one thesis. I'm trying to nail it to a door. And if this generation doesn't receive it, I promise there's one that will. Because there's a deception that has weakened us. And it has caused us to get on the wrong side of we're trying to get out. We're trying to get out. But it says... Verse 17, just read it in the Bible. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up, listen, together with the Lord in the clouds. I love this, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always, everyone say always, be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times, verse chapter five, the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers. For, the day to, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light and children of the day, which means this is something we should be excited about. We are not of the night nor of the darkness, so, let, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. For the helmet of the hope of salvation for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. So whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I want you to understand something. Again, the context is those that are left. What Paul is giving a picture of is how many of you remember in Psalms 24, it would talk, it, it says these words, lift your head, O you gates, 
and, and lift the doors, oh, you, you ancient doors for the king of glory to come in. You guys remember that? In that time, in that culture, they would have watchmen on walls that weren't only watching inside the city to protect the people, but really their job was to watch outside the city. Their job was to watch for enemies that were coming, but also kings that were coming. In that time, Caesar would, would go to a, to a territory that he controlled. And when he came in, they would start shouting, the emperor is coming. Or in the days of kings, the king is coming. And the requirement was open the doors, but they wouldn't stay in the city. Delegations would go and meet him and welcome him into his city. So Paul is giving us context. Paul is giving us understanding we're trying to fly somewhere. And Paul is trying to, to show you that you are going to, we are going to meet the Lord in the air. And we are going to welcome him into what has been prepared for him. We will see the sky split open. It, will, it says that the way you saw him ascend, he told us, this, the angels told the disciples, the man you saw ascend, the same way he ascended, he will return. So people will hear this. You remember the, Matthew 12, the wheats and the tares, right? The tares start growing among the wheat and they ask him, let's rip the tares out. He says, no, 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 let them grow together. And he's giving us a picture of the end of the age. Which ones are ripped out first? The tares. The tares were that which was causing disease in the wheat. A king is coming and he's gonna eradicate wickedness. You want to be, the righteous will remain. Let's read it, because some of you are struggling. Some of you don't believe it. Again, how many of you believe in the coming of the Lord? He's coming for a prepared bride, and he's gonna come, and he's gonna set up his kingdom in a new heaven and a new earth, and we will dwell with him forever. We will marry the Lord. Do you realize we're gonna marry the Lord? But this escapism mentality has weakened us as the body, and no one preaches it. We just want encouraging stuff. Pan millennia, it's just all gonna pan out. No, do you realize that we are delaying the coming of the Lord by being completely ignorant to what's going on? And we just believe stuff because somebody said it. But when you read it in the scriptures, it's the complete opposite context as it was in the days of Noah. My God, you don't wanna be swept away. Let the wheats and the tares grow together and at the end of the age, we will pluck the tares out. Listen to this, Isaiah 4, 2 through 6, in that day, here's the prophets again, not listen to, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And it shall come to pass on that day, listen, those who are left in Zion and remain in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among them, the living in Jerusalem, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night for over all the glory, for over, over all the glory there will be a covering. 
And there will be a tabernacle for the shade. It's speaking of the feast of tabernacles. Tabernacle for the shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from the storm and the rain. Listen to this, Zephaniah 3, 11 through 13. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you've rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proud, your, the proud ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain but I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, I mean, it's all over scripture. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor, sh nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down and none shall make them afraid. Revelation eleven fifteen. the kingdoms of this world have become, this will be spoken over a generation. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Revelation 5, 9 through 10, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you shall make them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. I can tell you a king is coming and he will eradicate wickedness on the earth and he will wipe every tear from every eye. But Revelation has a narrative from one through three of to him who overcomes. I will crown you with a crown of life. I'm gonna make you a pillar in the temple of God. If you think that you're just gonna make it out before it gets bad, it's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is, if it, like we, we say, okay, the tribulation, do you realize that People in China in an underground church are dealing with tribulation right now. Like, do you realize that a church in Iran is being persecuted in this moment? And we have the nerve in the West to say, before it gets bad, we're getting out. Do you realize it's already bad for them? And if you went to them and you said, do you want to leave? They would say, are you serious? Do you know that when the disciples were being beat and they were coming against them, they didn't, their prayers weren't Lord uh, give us justice and let us escape from the religious leaders of the day. They showed each other their stripes and said, God, give us more boldness. I want you to think about, I want you to think about what we've, what we've allowed to come into the church. And I know that we're gonna lose people over this. I know people are gonna stop watching us over this because John Darby told them. But if you would have read this Bible in like the 1700s, that word rapture would have not even existed in society. But we have allowed religion to dictate a narrative that God is looking to come in power. He's gonna split the sky open and he's gonna come in power for a prepared bride. And it's gonna be a wedding day, not a horrible day. Do you know that there's 400, if you study it, 400 verses in the book of Revelation. And I believe that this is where pre-tribulation rapture came from. And I know some amazing leaders and pastors that preach this, and I love you, God, you're amazing teachers of the word, but we gotta get this one thing right. But do you realize, that the, and I believe this is where it came from. If you study the book of Revelation, there's about 400 verses in that book. Do you know that only 12 verses actually speak of persecution to the church? Do you know that the remaining like 300, and I'm terrible at math, and 88 verses are about the eradication of wickedness. 
Do you realize that this is our finest hour? Do you realize that when revelation is going on, the church is getting more glorious and glorious and glorious? Do you realize that deep darkness will cover the earth and the people, but the glory of the Lord will arise and shine over you? Do you realize people are upset and sad in this room because I'm taking their great escape away, but you can't find it in scripture. And what I'm trying to encourage you with is what the scriptures call the anchor of our soul, our blessed hope that he will come, not to take us out, but he's coming in. And he's gonna set up his throne among men. Can I have Ashley come? The Feast of Tabernacles hasn't come yet. It's, it's still gotta come. We still have to see Revelation 21 take place. And Revelation 22 says the spirit and the bride, they're crying for him to come. They're not crying to get him out while they're saving toilet paper in a back barn somewhere. And we have made, listen, I think it's God's long suffering that the groom has been delayed. Because I think that there's deception over the church, major deception of get us out before it gets bad while the, the direction of heaven is, I will come and I will fill the earth with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Do you see how subtle, how wide? I would encourage you to study it for yourself. If I was to ask you a question of how many of you have ever actually dove into the understanding of the coming of the Lord, I would say very few have really given their lives to study it. Again, we don't even read the book of Revelation, but if you really read it, you would realize, wait, this is birth time. This is deliverance time for the church. This is the Lord is gonna come and he's gonna fight a battle for us. It'll be like it was in the days of Noah. One will be left and one will be taken. My God, you don't wanna be taken. One will be left, one will be taken in judgment. I'm just gonna keep saying it because I feel resistance. <laughs> This is the gospel. The gospel is not heaven with me and hell with everyone else. It's actually the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is a king is coming. Get your oil ready. The gospel is we're gonna see the sky split open. Where's your oil? Not your toilet paper, oil. Not your canned beans, it's your oil. You don't have anything to be afraid of. This is a victorious eschatology. He hasn't come to give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Why? Because we have this blessed hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. All of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Anyone offended? Some of you are not even responding. Remember you promised me we did the... I just want to encourage you that when you say, I believe in the rapture, I want you to understand that what you're saying is, is I believe that there's two separate events. But in the scriptures, I only read about one second coming. And then you got to decide, are you post, pre, trib? And it just becomes stressful. 
Well, I don't know what I believe. Why? Because it's not in the Bible. You have to kind of align with someone that said it. God is raising a glorious company that's going to meet him in the air. And we're going to say, we have prepared a place for you, a house for him. And we are going to welcome him into his kingdom and he's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth. The story of Noah was never about, the climax wasn't the eradicating of wickedness. The climax of the story was, I'm going to repopulate the earth. I want you guys to stand your feet. Lord, we're open. See, there's something about the apostolic in that forerunner spirit of challenging what's been taught for centuries incorrectly. Do you feel the tension of it? If we didn't feel the tension of it, then we're just kind of wasting our time. If church was just about us like gathering and feeling good, you can go to a country club and get that, a couple of your friends. The Lord's raising up a bold church, a church that's saying, we're not waiting for him to rescue us out of here on some great escape mission because the devil just won and we lost. I don't know what God you're serving, but the God I'm serving defeated the devil 2,000 years ago. And he's nothing but a withering branch. And what he's doing is he's causing deception, trying to delay that day, and all the Christians are believing it. But I'll tell you, there's remnants of people that are going, no, at least in the story I read about, I'm pretty sure he's, he's not only not winning, he already lost. Yeah. And we're not in trouble we're just going through birth pain. Every time you see something crazy on the internet or on your news channel, just start pushing. Corey called it last week, Braxton Hicks. If you notice when Corey was ministering last week, you never one time heard about a great escape. What you heard was about a blessed hope. But we have to we have to expose the deception. Otherwise, we're saying yes to someone. We don't know what we're saying yes to. So here's what we're saying yes to. Come on, as you lift your hands. Lord, we're saying yes. God, a trumpet will sound because a bride has been prepared. And like it says in Luke chapter one, John the Baptist was raised to prepare for the Lord, a people prepared. So Lord, place oil in the hands of your servants in this room that we may be ready when the bridegroom comes. Lord, I thank you that you're coming in Revelation 21 and we're gonna hear the angels cry, God and man have tabernacle together on the earth. Lord, we're not trying to get out, we're trying to get you in. I thank you that the earth belongs to you in the fullness thereof, Psalms 24. Lord, plant a righteous people, God, that are not afraid 
of tribulation, but God, we see it as our finest hour. That word caught up in 1 Thessalonians 4, if you look it up in Greek, it means seized. We will be seized with God in the air and every eye will see him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, God, I thank you that a king is coming. And you will eradicate wickedness in the earth, Lord. And peace will cover the earth and glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So we say, come. Come on, say, come, Lord Jesus. Tell him to come. Tell him to come. Can I have the worship team come up? Tell him to come. Come on, get through that offense in your heart. Maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe you've thought wrong. Maybe, just maybe we have been deceived in the church thinking we got to get out of here as soon as possible rather than Jesus is trying to desperately get in. He's trying to get in. So God, we're saying start at resignation. Come on. I wish someone would pray with me. Start at resignation. Start at resignation, God. We're saying, come and fill this room. Fill us, God. Start by filling us, Lord. And put a groan in a generation, God. Put a groan in a generation, Lord. You see, if you're intimate with God and it doesn't cause you to be pregnant, I would, cause, I would ask you the question, what exactly is your intimacy? It's not just about sitting there and soaking. It's about getting pregnant with promise that causes a generation to join the cry of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is here because he's preparing a place for God. So Lord, with joyful, with a joyful sound, God, we greatly anticipate that day. Lord, we pray for massive reformation to hit the church in Jesus' mighty name. Massive reformation, God, of old mindsets and religious mindsets, God. We're in a Matthew 23 moment of woe to you, theologians. Woe to you, pastors. Woe to you, shepherds. Let the king of glory come in, God. Flip upside down whatever you have to flip upside down. God, we're not preaching for responses. We're preaching for when people leave and they're in their cars, God, make them shake inside and go, I've got to understand. I've got to be ready. I've got to be prepared for this king. Lord, every stronghold, every religious mindset, it has set itself up against the knowledge of you. God, old patterns of thinking that have kept us weak as the church, that have put us in a defensive mindset rather than an offensive mindset. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and you said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it's right here. I ask the team as we finish to do this. And I would encourage you in something. This is the greatest, we are about to step into the greatest moment the church has ever stepped into. Do you realize that? Like we want revelation to take place. We want it. When you watch all the wars, the rumors of wars and you turn on the news, how many of you are ready for the sky to split open? Okay. 
Here's our hearts, is that God would fill the earth with his glory. And that as many as possible would hear a generation trumpeting, a king is coming. I can't express to you enough how much I believe in the return of the Lord. It is our hope, our anchor for our soul. But I do not believe in an escape mission. I believe in a wedding date. And if that offends you, I don't know how to help you. But if it offends you because you just want to get out, I would encourage you, get into this word, get into it, and read it over and over again. Of those that are left, may the righteous remain, God. And as we do this song, I would encourage you, whether you understand or not, can we celebrate around this one thing? A king is coming. Can we celebrate around this one thing? A king is coming. And if you stay, you go, we love you deeply. We love you. We honor you. But I, listen, I cannot sleep at night if I am not willing to take a thesis, start banging it on the door that is delaying my bridegroom. It's like you're engaged and you can't wait for that day. But because we have to marry him together, it doesn't say the spirit and the brides say come but the spirit and the bride and he's restoring relationships. He's restoring the fivefold and he's restoring apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. And he's getting us back into the body and remembering that which was dismembered for us. We've got to get on the same page. We've got to start having hard conversations like this of what exactly do we believe? Because we are crying out for him to return. In Matthew 9, Jesus is walking with his disciples and the disciples of John come to him. There's all, see, it's always, it's always problems like this. And they say, oh, you know, we fast, we're super hungry and awesome. Why aren't your disciples? Jesus says, you can't mourn while the bridegroom's with you, but one day they will fast. Why? Because he ascended and they missed this man. And they believed that in their time, they believed it, they walked in the power of the gospel in such a way they believed he was coming in their time. And today we're just kind of haphazard, we're flipping. We don't talk about this stuff because you're gonna lose people and we're just not preparing a bride whatsoever. We've got to understand. And there's gotta be a mourn that enters into a generation that is not satisfied just attending church, that's not satisfied having an hour and a half and then going and watching football. That is not why we have a church. We have a church to put a groan in a mourning inside of a generation that is crying out, come Lord Jesus, come. So I'm gonna say it again, a king is coming and he's gonna eradicate wickedness out of the earth. And those that remain, he is going to build his house and angels will sing God and man or tabernacle together. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.